what's up? It's your host, Tori, and who is ready to be petty? There is a lot to dive into today. There's so many stories from the things I usually cover on this podcast. I'm going to talk a little bit about the Kardashians, Bachelor, Taylor Swift, the royal family, a little bit of everything before I welcome my guest, Shireen, from the Spill the Tea podcast. We watched and reviewed Demi Lovato's new YouTube documentary called Dancing with the Devil. So I feel like I really wanted to talk about this story for quite a few weeks. And I did a little on Twitter and Instagram, but just to do a little bit of a closer look, a picture truly is worth a thousand words. If you need a quick synopsis because you live under a fucking rock, MJ, the frail grandma of the Kardashians who is sometimes featured on Keeping Up, posted an Instagram story picture of Khloe Kardashian on a retouch in natural lighting and the world went absolutely wild. Why did everyone go absolutely berserk? Well, Chloe Kim and their legal team started to ask websites who were reposting it, reposting it to take it down because the picture was posted accidentally. It was in bad lighting. It was like copyright infringement, question mark, question mark, because to us normies, it just looked like your grandma snapped a cute photo and then posted it on her Instagram stories. No harm, no foul. And obviously there was so many comments, like myself included, that were like, she looks so beautiful. I'm so happy that she still looks like this after, you know, all of those pictures that she's posted with retouching. How dare she get mad because she's the one that usually photoshops all her pictures and this is just what she naturally looks like. And a lot of people were upset. They're like, oh my gosh, you looks so great. Anyone would want to look like you. Why would you ever want to take it down? And obviously, like I talked about this a few weeks on the pod, like Chloe obviously struggles with her self-esteem and the way she looks. Again, after like years of scrutiny in the public eye and living in a family that has like the most unrealistic beauty standards that them themselves can attain them without using some would say excessive uh, photoshop facetune plastic surgery etc and I want to be clear the Kardashians have created the current beauty standard and perpetuate these super super unrealistic beauty ideals why I say unrealistic is because like I just mentioned To attain them, many people would require Photoshop, Facetune, plastic surgery, um, and a lot of money to just achieve this. And I think that that's one thing that people are upset about is she released a statement afterwards and it said, "Uh, you know, I like to Facetune here or there, um, and I've worked really hard at the gym to attain this. And I definitely don't want to downplay her work at the gym like she it has been documented on her Instagram and on her TV shows, multiple TV shows, how hard she works out with a trainer and how much she feels like it does for her physically, but more importantly, what it does for her mentally. And we know this exercise is great for your mental health. It doesn't always have to be for aesthetic reasons like a lot of people think that's why everyone works out. And yeah, it is annoying that reality TV stars and celebrities alike don't admit (laughs) per se that they've had work done that again is just unachievable to the normal person. Like even J-Lo in her recent like fucking like Vogue or GQ article was like the way that I keep up my youthful appearance is through olive oil and it's just like 
girl, it's not. And that's fine. But then <laughs> you're just going to have like millions of people slathering olive oil on their face to like stop the premature signs of aging when we know that a lot of this is from like very expensive skincare products as well as cosmetic procedures. And that's fine if that's something that you want to like engage in for yourself. And it's trickled down to other parts too. Like I think about the TikTok and like YouTube makeup artists I follow and I'm like, oh my God, their skin looks flawless. Why doesn't my foundation application look like that and stuff? It's because they're in like a studio with like a ring light in front of their face and stuff like that. So it isn't always what it appears is what I'm trying to say. With all of that being said, though, I think two things can be true. You can perpetuate harm. In this case, people looking to the Kardashians, seeing what is perceived to be desirable and working really hard to look like that, whether that be spending tons of money, dieting, like, etc. Sometimes harmful things and slash or feeling bad about themselves, which, you know, can affect your self-esteem, make you feel less confident which could have impacts on your life, like not doing activities that you want to do, not applying for jobs that you want, like all of these things. But at the same time, I also feel like you can be harmed by this system too. Like she, again, has been picked apart, belittled and bullied for like 20 years by thousands, if not millions of people constantly talking about the way that she looks every which way that she turns and I think that my other point and last point about this is I'd like to just say that people are saying why don't you just live your life without these filters be brave say fuck the patriarchy women don't owe you pretty this is what I look like and I'm proud I don't need to follow these unrealistic beauty standards that are really impacting my life And I also think that that's really difficult (laughs) because that's asking a lot of people. And obviously, like, I think that, too, like, I would love to have her step into that. But if she doesn't want to, that's also okay. Just because you experience something doesn't mean you have to, like, spearhead the cause or be the poster child of anti-diet culture or anti western beauty standards or whatever maybe you want to and maybe you don't and I don't think that we can be mad at her because like that's subjecting yourself to a lot tons of public scrutiny going against her family's norms and values which I think would also be very difficult and obviously my first thought is like a little part of me is like I wish you would do that. I wish you would step into that role. I wish you would be a role model, (laughs) I guess I would say, for young women. But then when I really think about it, you just, I don't think you can ask someone to do that. I think, again, it's like one thing for me to go out in high-waisted jeans with my fupa out and just like be like, fuck it, this is me. But in the role that she has that none of us will ever experience to the level that the Kardashians have, I think it's a lot and and that we'll never understand. I guess I would just ask is what do you think? Should we demand more of our celebrities? Probably, sure. Does it need to be directed at Chloe in this incidence? No, like let's look at the system as a whole or changing like our attitudes and beliefs around beauty and bodies and not put all of our eggs in our Chloe Kardashian basket. <laughs> but let me know what you think. It's really a nuanced conversation I think there's lots of different ways you can look at that but I hope that that was just some food for thought the next story I think for me is kind of the same in terms of like you can cause harm and also be harmed at the same time by possibly the same system or other forms of oppression and that is the case with Colton Underwood I don't want to super super get into this because I 
think that there's been some really good podcasts and articles written about this by LGBTQIA plus people that we will give a way more nuanced perspective that I can bring to this conversation. But since I do talk a lot about The Bachelor and this was a huge Bachelor news story, I will give my two cents. Take it or leave it. <laughs> Again, if you live under a freaking rock, which hopefully you don't, <laughs> Colton of Bachelor Nation fame came out on GMA. And I'm just bringing this up because I'm happy that he has come out and I really empathize with him when he was saying things like, I loathed myself and I felt pressure by my faith, his Catholic family, and his sport. He was a football player, and like that fucking sucks, and I want everyone to, you know, be able to live authentically. And on the other hand, I just don't think we needed this segment on GMA and like a fucking Netflix special to boot. He stalked his ex, Cassie, when they broke up. I think like last summer and like fall. And I should also just give a content warning. I'm going to talk a little bit about abusive relationships now. So you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear about it. I'm not going to go too in depth, but I am going to name some behaviors that were written in his straining order. But like he went to her house in the late hours of the night and like stood outside her window. He got a fake phone and like harassed her and then like fake harassed himself so they could like trauma bond over this other fake stalker and like possibly get back together and then he also put a gps tracker on her car so some really really gross stuff and i don't know where they stand today and maybe he has made amends to her in a way that feels good for her and maybe she's gotten the justice that she needs to move on even though i don't know if you really move on from these things but also maybe he didn't tell her all of this was happening and that he hasn't learned and maybe from what he was saying in the interview that that is actually closer to the truth than not when he talks about what happened with that relationship he just kind of vaguely mentions mistakes that were made and it was just really all hard to hear and I just really feel bad for Cassie because in addition to all of this uh, he was just getting a lot of support online and I do want him to feel supported from his community and his family and stuff like that but do I think we need to give him a platform um no <laughs> I would just be happy if we didn't hear about him anymore, really. And I I don't want to give abusers more of a platform. The Bachelor Party podcast on the Ringer Network did a really good episode on this. And like I said before, there's so many articles and podcasts and tweets that really discuss the impact of this story and the announcement etc so if you want to hear more about this story I encourage you to check those out okay onwards and upwards the fearless re-recordings came out uh, a few weeks ago and I'm so glad they're doing so well on the charts and I'm just so excited for Taylor. There's so many bops that I just haven't listened to in so many years. So it was really fun to revisit them. I think one of my favorite songs, because we got the vault songs too, is That's When. And I've always loved Today is a Fairy Tale. And it was like just starting to get a little too young for me. Actually, probably this whole album, just her voice and stuff. It seemed like she recorded it 13 years ago or whatever. So her just really matured and like fine-tuned voice and just the re-recorded like melodies and stuff are just so good. And I'm really, really happy for her. With that being said, I'm going to be petty for like two seconds. So obviously throughout the release of Folklore, Evermore, and Fearless, um, there's been so many fun Easter eggs and like a scavenger hunt of clues 
online for fans to try to figure out what's going on and you know is there a third album to the folklore evermore trilogy when are we gonna get the 1989 re-recording just like all of this juicy tea that everyone wants to figure out so my tiktok algorithm just like basically only picks up taylor swift conspiracy theories And I'm just so tired. Like, it is the most addition and long division I've done in several years. Maybe over a decade. (laughs) And it's even gotten to, like, my Bachelor Facebook groups. (laughs) People are, like, analyzing the fucking braids she has in her hair. And I'm just, I'm really, really tired. It was super, super fun until it wasn't. And some of the theories are just so unhinged, like literally counting the letters in each announcement and stuff and then adding them all up and then minusing all these things. And I just I just can't do it anymore. (laughs) So I'm going to stay off of Taylor Talk for a little bit. I just need a teeny tiny break uh, as I wait for 1989 gonna plug one more ringer podcast (laughs) they should pay me to be an ambassador (laughs) at this point but the podcast series every album taylor swift is so good it's like an hour episode for each album she did with Nora Princiati and Nathan something something and the episodes go into a lot of Taylor stuff that I just didn't know but like care about like a lot of the music and business side of things that I just haven't found in other articles I learned so much even though I already know so much about Taylor Swift so if you haven't already you know, like, don't stop this podcast. We still got a ways to go. But like, once you're done with this one, head on over to The Ringer and give every album Taylor Swift a listen. Okay, to get a little bit more somber before we jump into the Demi documentary with Shireen, Prince Philip, I wrote Prince Philly in my notes, but Prince Philip passed away a few weeks ago. And like, it's sad when someone dies, but also he was 99. And like him specifically, I was just kind of like, meh, you know, okay. I'm kind of just over the royal family right now, like as a whole and a concept, obviously. <laughs> um, I'm against it, but like it used to be fun to follow like the Fab Four. And I've just found it with all the Megan stuff, just like a little bit less fun nowadays. I'm also on Royal Talk, which you all know because of my last couple episodes covering the royal family. But literally, I felt like I was getting bitter and just sick of them when there was a TikTok posted about like it was it was about Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth. And it was like romantic music and like a slideshow. And I literally just went to the comments and just wrote like their cousins. (laughs) Then I was like, I need to also take a break from the royal family. This is just... You know, you're at your rock bottom when you're just you're a commenting on TikToks and B, you're just writing their cousins (laughs) when someone had just passed away. Like this is getting so ugly. You've probably turned off this podcast, Um, but if you're still here, I do apologize. I am 100% going to hell over my Prince Philip coverage, like not only this episode right here, but like the fucking uh, tweet roundup. I did post his passing um on my Instagram stories is just it's ugly and I realize that and I can't stop but Harry is going back for the funeral which I think it's held this weekend I'm recording this on Friday and the headlines are getting old it's Harry's going back to London Meghan Markle is not and it's like yeah, she's like very pregnant and it's probably a high risk baby because they unfortunately had a miscarriage this past year. Like you're kind of, again, leaving out such an integral part. And when people just glance at headlines, which most people just do, that paints a really clear picture. That's not true. It paints the wrong picture, I should say. 
Anyways, of course, I can't help myself, even though I've just said that I need to set boundaries about Taylor talk and royal talk. But it's like all the men aren't going to be in their army garb. I literally wrote army garb in my notes. Like their formal army uniforms is the word I'm looking for because Harry doesn't have a title. So they're going to go in like suits and is there going to be a reconciliation and are they going to talk and this person is going to stand in between William and Harry, but it's not drama, we swear, and just all of this stuff. And I don't know where I'm going with this, to be honest. I just want to put it all out there. Okay, I've gone on way too long. It's time for me to introduce my guest to talk about Dancing with the Devil, and I'll catch you on the other side. Without further ado, my conversation with Shireen. I'm back with a very special guest. Shireen from Spill the Tea podcast is here. Shireen, how are you? Hi. Yes, I'm really good. Um, thank you for having me. I'm really excited actually for yeah the topic today, talking about Demi. Um, so we, we've both been yeah chatting a little bit, I think, before the podcast. And we've been talking about, you know, how, how interesting her doc is um, and how we're both making notes. You suggested to talk about the Demi Lovato documentary, Dancing with the Devil, that was released on YouTube. So thanks for the suggestion. It was really, it was put out in episodes, but I feel like I'm going to just talk about it as like one whole whole thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it was really, it was a really interesting watch. So I'm glad that we get to talk about Mm, it. For sure. Yeah, I didn't know actually, did you watch her? Because she's had two documentaries. I think one on MTV and then one on YouTube. Um, I didn't watch the first one. Um, I did not. Start, starting again or, or yeah, so, something I, I like forget. that. I forget. Yeah, something like, like that. Starting <laughs> over, starting again. Yes. Something cliche. She references it because um, yeah. it was in 2017. So it was like kind of before all of the things like the overdose mm. in 2018 that she really details in this documentary. But no, I hadn't. And I, I want to say, like, off the top, like, I'm a Demi fan, but, like, I'm not, like, by any means, like, a super fan. I'm the same. Or, like, yeah. or, like I don't know everything about her life like I do, like, Britney Spears yeah. or something. Yeah, I mean, I know everything about Britney. She's iconic. No, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm the same as you, so I think, like, we're probably both looking at it fr- from, like, an obviously an interested perspective, and I do think there's, you know, she's super talented, and I listen to, you know, her music when, when she brings it out. But, yeah, I think hopefully we'll be a bit more objective and... Um, unlike maybe you know some super fans obviously when you kind of got an idol Mm -hmm. you're kind of a a bit like tunnel vision you're kind of biased as well so yeah it'll be interesting to see like both our perspectives maybe they'll kind of align in that case then if we're both coming from a similar viewpoint um about Demi because I could totally see how super fans could and we're going to talk about it later, like yeah. the production of it and stuff. But I could totally see how, yeah, invested you would be in this type of thing and how you might view it a specific way. <laughs> For sure. Exactly. <laughs> uh, before we get too, too much into it, mm. can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Oh, well, I'm from, I'm from London. I'm 24. Sounds like a dating show. I'm like, I'm single. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm single. I'm from London. I'm I'm English, um, but yeah, I have a podcast called Spill the Tea, just of a tea, not not kind of spelled out to be to be a bit different. Um, but yeah, it kind of it just really. I think I started my podcast just because I'm like I said, 24 and in in the middle of kind of dating and uh, experiencing. I guess my my 20s for for you know um, I'm four years in now, and I just think like everything that comes with it would be such a good discussion. Um, so I talk about basically everything on it from relationships, careers um what, what kind of I'm how how to deal well how I'm dealing with lockdown and and the pandemic as well and just more more importantly I think other people's experiences and and dating relationships and, and what kind of because I always think we can learn from from others um and I know I had I had Tori kind of already on my podcast and we we talked about kind of celeb gossip and and Britney Spears we I really enjoyed that and I think it's um we kind of I guess we discuss like what lessons we learned from kind of how they treated or how the how the media treats celebrities so I think from every story and every guest that comes on I really like 
to, I guess, discuss what we can learn from from that particular experience. So, yeah, that's basically what I try and do on my podcast and keep it really fun and entertaining at the same time um, as much as possible. But yeah, so just recently started my podcast and yeah, I love doing it really. Love it. <laughs> that's so good. I always think about that, like having a podcast and then like say in 10 years, like revisit. Maybe I'm still podcasting in I, 10 I mean, years. I mean, yeah, but... fingers crossed, right? Maybe <laughs> In 10 years no, yeah. stick. <laughs> we've not got time to listen to our old shows because we're just too busy we're in demand yeah could you imagine oh we're gosh. yeah we're Me like and you have podcast a talk show. moguls <laughs> yeah yes Tori exactly. and it's like well, yeah. literally everyone has a i swear everyone has a talk show like in america kelly clarkson yes. drew barrymore yes honestly the most drew random barrymore. people and it is like really random like <laughs> I feel like sometimes people are like, I've always wanted to do this. And I'm like, have you? Have you really? <laughs> like, you're a singer. And like, I, I kind yeah. of get, I guess, acting, talk show. Oh, but I just, it's such a stretch. I just want, I, honestly, every time I go on YouTube, there's a new like actress or singer that's become a talk show host. I don't know who's next. I really don't. But I'm just like, oh. It's okay. so random. And like, <laughs> I just don't really love those ones because since, and like no shade, because I haven't watched like tons of them no I haven't no so I I don't really get to have an opinion but like (laughs) I just feel like yeah like if you're not like a journalist I love how I'm saying this even though I have zero background in like journalism or interviewing people I'm I'm like I literally can't talk you know but (laughs) oh my god I'm such a fucking hypocrite (laughs) oh my god but I like always think I'm like it's so like the their conversations are so like surface level and just like boring and stuff like it's like daytime filler right I just feel it's, it's yeah that kind of vibe um I'm the same and I guess the only pool like someone like probably Drew Barrymore or like Kelly Clarkson like we were saying has is I guess they know certain celebrities and they can have more of a like casual interview but probably know what to ask them a little bit more maybe the celebrities are like more comfortable because they know them and yeah. it's not just like a random journalist but that's kind of the only advantage I, yeah I've watched a few clips and I'm just like I just don't I don't understand I don't get it it really is what you're saying like filler it's such filler yeah it's something that you could just put on in the background exactly. while you're like cleaning your house yeah exactly exactly <laughs> I guess that's how it's intended but yeah just change the subject there but honestly I just I was it just reminded me of the yeah everything maybe it's quarantine maybe everyone's just like I really want to get into hosting my own show that's it (laughs) like us you know (laughs) yeah it's true honestly Uh, true oh my god (laughs) I guess we should get into the the topic at hand so for for those like uninitiated the Demi documentary kind of details her experiences about her relapse yeah. so she was six years sober and then she started recreationally using drugs like she was talking about heroin yeah and crack. heavy stuff definitely and like mixing it with like molly and weed and alcohol and oxycodone oxycodone yeah for yeah i literally there were so many i couldn't keep up there were so many drugs mentioned I don't do drugs, but yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you're a drug expert, but. <laughs> no, I'm not. But like, I do believe in like harm reduction and like legalizing drugs and stuff like that mm. as like a form of harm reduction and like really judgment free zone here. Like, oh, for sure. You're not like hurting anyone. It's just what's best for you. Yeah. Yeah. What What works for you. And like, and if you choose to use like trying to get as safe as possible like knowing what's in your drugs that you're using using with other people that are safe yeah and, and all those things but yeah I I don't have much experience no, yeah no 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 personal experience here. yeah no I totally get you no I agree I just think it's um people that you know think I guess experience like drug abuse and, and overdosing etc I just I don't think they're like morally bad people you know it's not it's, it's like any addiction right it's it's off, often caused by like circumstance and sometimes mm-hmm. upbringing and, and like I said just lifestyle so yeah it doesn't make you a bad person um but I guess we'll talk about this more in a minute so I don't want to like skip um too far ahead but I just thought it was very interesting 
Demi's attitude in the documentary, um, how she very much focuses on herself. And I, I always thought like a key part of admitting you're an addict and, and kind of recovering from it is, I think part of it is to acknowledge the hurt that you've put your friends and your family through as well. I can imagine it's kind of part of that. Not Maybe not guilt. You shouldn't feel, you know, guilty because that could lead to like relapse. But I think a part of it is understanding the effects of drugs. It's part of it because you're, you're not just hurting yourself. It is to do with other people. And that kind of gives you a bit of motivation to, to quit or to go sober, etc. But she just seemed very much, well, I was in pain and no one was there for me and I've had a tough life and I'm sure she has but it's just she never mentioned her sisters and like her sisters were obviously visibly really emotional I think as particularly her smaller sister and and uh, she never mentioned her mom her stepdad etc so yeah I found it really interesting like her attitude um throughout the documentary as like a general point but I don't want to skip too far ahead so I won't say much more <laughs> no no that's a really good point because you're right like the person that I was like really captured by was her assistant mm. because her assistant is the one again if you're if you haven't watched the doc and you're just listening for for fun <laughs> um, her assistant was the one that found her um, yeah. overdosing in her bed yeah. and had to call 911 and like just just thinking about that situation and experiencing that is like must be so challenging yeah, and traumatic one thing that I wanted to talk about is like this documentary was created by Scooter Braun Films. Scooter Braun is her manager. Yeah, her new manager. Yeah. He became her manager, I think, in 2019 mm-hmm. after this had happened. But like, there's obviously an angle to this documentary and that it's like not to clear her name or anything or explain necessarily, yeah. but there's definitely like, when your camp puts out a documentary about you, there's obviously an angle. Yeah, it has to be at least, I think, fairly positive for, you know, a manager to approve it, whether Demi wanted it. Compl- I mean, because I'm sure she has some control over it, but ultimately, you know, there's someone else, there's, there's other people in her team that need to kind of approve like the final edit. And, you know, the way it's produced is kind of out of her control ultimately with especially like interviewing other people um, and like her friends and stuff, you know, I'm sure she... Maybe she did, but kind of in regards to like what they said, um, maybe that direction was kind of given from like like Scooter Braun, someone in her team, etc. I think the problem is that it's really hard to, I guess, trust what she's saying because her 2017 documentary that you were mentioning, it number one, it coincided with an album. I think um, what was that? I, I can't so, do, so does this. And so one. does this one. So yes. this is what I mean. I'm like, okay, I, and I do understand that like, you do want that kind of maximum exp- exposure, but it just seems like such a marketing piece. And I know. Her music, I don't know if you've seen her music video of Dancing with yes. the Devil. And she's like, yes. in hospital bed. And I'm like, oh, is this, I get like you want to show what you're going through and what you went yes. through. That's And it's good to be honest. And I think for other addicts, um, it's great to kind of also maybe see someone more in the spotlight that's going through similar things so I do get it but is it like a bit exploitative I don't know I'm just feeling like "Mm," I'm just a bit unsure you know totally I'm on the same page as you like I I don't know where I sit like Mm. I don't know if I'm like this is exploitation or like again utilizing this experience as like to sell stuff yeah I'm the exact same as you is this just like her being candid right yeah her being candid mm. her using her art form as a therapeutic means yeah. or like as, or to to again you're right like reduce stigma normalize mm. like getting help and and seeing yeah. people like come out the other end of of addiction and stuff I'm for sure I don't know where I stand <laughs> no I know basically. me too after watching it I'm I'm the same as you I think maybe maybe I guess to to sit on the fence completely for both of us it's maybe it's a bit of both right so she's being candid but yeah. also can't deny you know it's a great maybe not great but it's a marketing opportunity because it's got you know a lot yeah. of exposure and um it's coincided with her album and it's been used to kind of build that up um yeah I, I thought I thought that was definitely interesting like you said and like Scooter Braun 
also talking of him he's had that kind of experience of with justin bieber with like rehab rehabilitating his image because he went off the rails like he was you know and and now he's kind of come out the other end i suppose he's released new material he's had his own documentary on youtube so mm -hmm. and and i think he released it was like intentions in line with with that documentary and that showed like his wedding and you know his romance of hayley and it was very like wholesome and totally. which was again really a stark difference to his reputation at the time well or just before that which was you know a bit of a um kind of he he was really bad to work with i think there were rumors and and he was just doing this kind of like basically deeper behavior he bought that monkey and and um oh my god <laughs> left it in in quarantine yeah. or wherever so yeah he had crazy behavior and he's kind of come out the other end so i wonder if like Scoo's trying to do that with demi um in some way yeah and like it makes sense that they kind of paired up in that sense right. like when because she, she actually approached him and was like hey would you like to be my manager and he mm. was saying that he was gonna decline and then it was so weird because he was like she really needed a friend at the time and like that's what i thought i could be and i feel like mm. that he has a weird relationship with like his art like his big artists yeah. like justin and ariana and and demi Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, um, I found it. And actually, that's a good point because the way she talked about some people, some, some paid employees was really strange. And I know this is probably more to do with celebrity as well, but that I think it was like her head of security. Um, She was like, he's like a father to me. And I understand, I get like staff can be close to you, but ultimately they're paid. I just think that's a really weird line. And it's kind of like her friends were... I know a couple of her friends were shown and one was like her sober coach and most likely on her payroll, I think. And I just think it's really weird how you place such emphasis on these people that are ultimately there because you pay them to be there. And yeah, it's very dependent, you know, that I think it was like this kind of maybe unhealthy like dependency she was showing, like like I said, particularly on head of security. Um, it was just a weird thing to say, you know, like a father figure is, is a big statement. I think you're bringing up such good points and they're all things that I was thinking about too, is like sometimes when celebrities, like I think of Kylie Jenner, mm. where like basically all of her friends seem to be like on the payroll, like her assistant victoria was like her best friend and then it was like ariel her makeup artist was her yeah. next best friend and like it's just it seems so weird mm. that these people can have people around them that you're right like maybe again aren't there not aren't there for the right reasons but like have these external reasons why they're yeah, like have a job there. to do right exactly and, and kind of i guess i guess maximize that and make maybe something more of it than it is in, in and they kind of humanize these relations these professional relationships right and they turn them into like Demi was saying maybe a fatherly figure which I find like security is his job so of course he's there to protect you but he's paid to so I feel like that distinction between professional and personal is missing and I think that's probably like a wider celebrity thing like you're saying as well because it seems yeah it's seen in quite a few of them definitely these kind of like really close and personal relationships yeah and i've been looking at the trends of child stars and especially the ones that have had like really rough patches and like sometimes i really think that the like main thing is really like a stable family mm. and if they're like missing that like support which she's mentioned, right? She's pretty, again, quite candid about her problems with her real dad and, and kind of like prophesizing that she's going to end up or she has ended up like him because he's had, he yeah. had, sorry, drug drug problems. And, and that's kind mm -hmm. of the cause of, of, of his death, I think, was, was it played a really major factor in his death. So she obviously feels like this tie between how you know, his addiction and her addiction, um, whilst also kind of, I guess, struggling with the fact that they didn't have this normal, kind of whatever normal means, but like normal, I, I guess, healthy relationship. Um, so yeah, it's interesting that she's trying to pinned that, that kind of father-daughter dynamic on her head of security, who is literally paid to protect her. So have you listened to the album that c goes with the documentary? 
so I've listened to a few songs, obviously like Dancing with the Devil. I've listened to yeah. the one with Ariana Grande as well. Um, but yeah, I haven't had a chance to listen to like the full album yeah, yet, actually. Yeah, me neither. But I've been seeing a lot of conversations online and like a lot of people have been talking about how Demi, again, with like her Disney Channel start and stuff like that, they just projected her to be this huge star and then like people were kind of talking about how maybe she hasn't like not lived up to that but have hasn't like actually reached that like type of stardom Mm. what do you think about that I think I mean do you know what I always I I think also her and Selena Gomez um were like really best friends were were best friends um back in the Disney days when they both have because she Demi was on Sunny with a chance right and Selena was on Wizards of Waverly Place. And I know they were really close. And I don't know if you remember, this is such a throwback, but like the My the Miley oh, and Mandy drama on YouTube. Of course. Oh, oh my god. I like eleven year old me was love was yes. living for it. When they did like oh. a parody, when Miley did the parody. And it was like teenage. Oh, it was, oh, I just, it was amazing. I loved it. It was great. Such a throwback. It was uh, iconic, honestly. But yeah, I digress. Yeah, her and Selena were really, really close. And obviously, I think then, you know, drama happened. They grew apart, blah, blah, blah. I think Selena was was the star, was the singer who Demi was as closely compared to. Um, probably because, like I said, they were such close friends. But also, they... You know, they had, I think, a similar look at the time. They were obviously both from Disney and they were both in that kind of pop field. Very different voices. But I think probably what what annoys, maybe not Demi herself, but like Demi fans, I would say, is that Selena has just become, I mean, all her songs... I think as well her relationship with Justin Bieber helped massively. It's all, and I think it's all down to a bit of luck as well. But her songs are pretty big hits, you know, when she has an album release, like it's quite a big deal. And tradition, I mean, from looking at her videos live, she's not the best singer. She's not going to win any awards for like being the strongest singer, right? And Demi, I think as anyone that's probably seen her live or like seen clips, she has got such an amazing, like a really strong voice, hits, like incredibly high notes and probably hasn't achieved that chart success alike to Selena. So I think long story short, I mean, it's it's probably really unfair to obviously say, oh, because Demi is successful, you know, when she, especially like over here in the UK, I'd say she was pretty well known, but maybe not as well known as, you know, Miley Cyrus, for instance, and other kind of, um, Suna Gomez and other other Disney stars like that. Um, so yeah, I guess it is, it's definitely unfair. And I just think it's it's just a case of, yeah. of luck, really. And probably she had those, I mean, she talked about like those struggles growing up, which might have affected her kind of, I guess, marketing campaigns when, when she was kind of launching her previous albums. Like there's so much behind the scenes that probably went on and went into it. But yeah, she's she has got an amazing voice. And I can imagine, especially being like compared to Selena, it probably does get a bit annoying. But I think as as you probably know, it's not all yeah. about talent. It there's always like something else that is thrown into the mix as well. It, it isn't unfortunately chart positions aren't directly related with how good of a singer you are. It, it, there's a lot of other stuff that goes yeah, into it. Yeah, and I think it really got me thinking about like what was the last Demi Lovato song that I like really listened to? Like literally I was thinking, like, is it cool for the summer, which was released like five oh years ago? I think I agree. I mean, because she released like I Love Me, <laughs> yeah. I think last yeah. year, yeah. two years ago. And then there's been yeah. Sober, which obviously is to do with her OD that was yeah. like just after. And there was that song with Christina Aguilera, which I can't even remember the name of. It's so interesting because like, again, like you're right. Demi, I feel like is the better singer per se when you think of Selena. And I don't mm. think Selena's latest album, Rare, did very, like I know the single did well, but like the whole album, I don't think did that well. She's so much more of like, I think Selena, a single singer, if that makes sense. Like when she kind of teams up with a DJ or something like that, it's normally quite a big hit. I guess because her voice is very moldable because it's quite soft and it sounds great over like a dance track or an up-tempo kind of, it can be remixed quite easily. But um, yeah, no, agreed. I think album-wise, it probably shows like her weaker points and Rare wasn't, yeah, you're right. I don't think it was, you know, a massive, no, massive no, hit. No, no, because there was like, two singles mm. off of that maybe that that or maybe three um that did really well but I don't like know the other songs but yeah it is interesting when you think of like the kind of crowd that Demi was with so it would have been like 
Miley, Selena, and the Jonas mm. Brothers, and just like how oh God, yeah. commercially successful they've been. And then she, yeah, has just kind of had these like bumps in the road. And I feel really bad because it, it does really suck when it's these issues have contributed to that. Yeah, no, it, I think it definitely contributed to to that, of course, and yeah, probably kind of a lot a lot of factors come come into play, um, for sure. Um, and also, it's it's interesting because I was gonna say as well. I think now she's probably in, maybe not dangerous, the wrong word, but she's kind of known for her addiction issues, and it's almost overshadowing her music in in among the general public right because as we've just said like she hasn't been she has been successful but she's not not like i don't think like my mum, for instance and like i always kind of view like a massive pop icon based on kind of yes. who my parents you know do they yeah. know any songs by them and i don't think my mum, for instance would know any songs by demi lovato so i feel that hasn't like filtered down uh, to like the general you know population yet and but i feel that a lot of people now know about her addiction issues, right? So it's kind of in danger of like overshadowing her music. Whereas I think what she's, I'm assuming aiming to do is kind of have those addiction issues and to complement her music almost and to tell a story. Um, and she can then tell the story through her music. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I don't know if, if they're doing like the right strategy because obviously her doc documentary made the headlines, but you know, her album didn't, right? So it's it's kind of, yeah, being being more well known for that kind that like that addiction side of things than um strictly totally. Her music. And like I also just think that she is kind of has this niche market. Like, for example, I listened to Sober, I watched her live performance. Obviously, is like this is beautiful, this is yeah. moving, but as a person who doesn't struggle with that stuff, I'm not like, I don't have it on my iPhone, like listening to it on a walk. Like, no, yeah. listening. Yeah. I enjoyed, <laughs> but I'm not like replaying it on YouTube or anything like that. Yeah, no, I totally get it. Like you said, it is, I do. And I really like Call for the Summer, but I don't think that was like, I think it got quite a lot yeah. of radio play, but it wasn't a massive hit. Like, I don't know about America, but yeah, over here, I, I listened to it and I thought, oh my God, this is going to be massive. This might be her first or maybe second. I know Heart Attack, Heart Attack was like really big as well. But yeah, I kind of thought Call for the Summer might have been a massive hit, but it just wasn't. It, it's it's strange, but I think that's just, like I said, it's probably down to a little bit of luck as well and marketing, loads of management, etc. But um, yeah, her career has been, been interesting. In case you don't want to watch, it's I think four episodes and they're like 20 minutes each. So honestly, yeah, it's like yeah. an easy watch. Before we get into the top three moments, did you like that it was split up like that? Or do you just kind of like the classic like Netflix documentary where it's just like all in one go? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know, actually. I didn't really think of that because her last documentary was all in one go. I think the way they split it, I get there was like a theme yes. of every episode. So maybe I, I could, I understood. I mean, sending it out weekly, I think obviously in this day and age, I much prefer watching everything all at once. So that was kind of annoying. I wanted to like watch everything all in one go. So yeah, to wait a week for kind of a 20 minute film or, you know, episode or whatever it's called, I think is a bit silly. I didn't really understand that at all. Maybe if it was like an hour kind of you know or maybe like 40 50 minutes I, I understood it a bit more but yeah it just I was like why did I wait you know a week a week for this but I guess they probably wanted to stretch it out get kind of keep interest in it so I got why they did it but um it was a do it was more of an interview it felt like I don't know I don't know how you felt but it wasn't I mean the camera didn't follow her around anywhere I mean she was with she was kind of like within her house I know I know it showed like her new house but I actually preferred funny enough her previous one um, I don't know if you watched that, but yeah, the 2017 one felt, I mean, she said she's lying in it and now, like in her interview now, she was like, I've lied throughout. But at the time I thought, oh, it was a really nice kind of overview yeah. of her life. It showed like her hobbies, what she'd been up to. I think she was doing at that point, like martial arts. And it was a little, it was a sit down interview as well, but it had a bit, it had a few more elements. But I guess maybe because of the topic, it was, it was very much focused on her OD. Um, so maybe that's why they did the different style. But yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't feel I learned as much about her as maybe I did the the last time, even though she was apparently lying. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? But yeah, I guess I preferred the style of, of the last one in general. Yeah, but, it's yeah. weird how we've been like trained to get things like mm. immediate now. Like I'm the same Netflix. Do you watch The Circle by any chance? 
yeah so we have a uk version so i don't watch like the us but yes we watch the uk but well, I, I watch the uk version everyone says like it is so good it is good it's really good and like even like they have like brazil and i think like a french version too and it also has really good reviews mm. i've only ever watched the the us version but it came out it was like four episodes or something would come out like a week every week on netflix or maybe it was one episode per week and it's funny how you're just so used to netflix like just the whole season being there that you're like annoyed <laughs> it's so annoying honestly it's the worst so the top three, I think, interesting moments. I never want to say like, mm. I don't want to also sound exploitative of her struggles. But like the top three things that I thought were worth mentioning, I guess, specifically. The first one was that she was assaulted during Camp Rock by a cast member. And I think like why I just wanted to put this in is just like it just like really shows what people are going through even if you think their lives are perfect that was like super inarticulate but like just thinking about like Mm -hmm. when I loved Camp Rock I loved Camp Rock too and just you know seeing her on the red carpet and like you're like wow she's thriving this is like the peak of her life and just like thinking yeah she seems so healthy happy you know doing what she loves having success like finding purpose in life and just like Mm. thinking that behind the scenes this was going on is just so sad to me for sure me too yeah no agreed um no that was definitely i think like a top moment and again i think we're talking about like press coverage from the documentary and that that definitely got a lot of press coverage um and i guess just tying into that i think sim uh, on a related note that kind of sexual assault that she was talking about i know she also mentioned the sexual assault with her um drug dealer i think it was and and well i think it was she said you know it was rape um and so she was super candid about that and i think that's obviously like a really good thing in that hopefully it will encourage other women other even you know other men as well to kind of come forward and, and be very open about it I get for legal reasons they obviously can't name and shame who it was but I just hope yeah the the right steps were taken and yeah these things are so complex and it was definitely a really positive thing overall to well a positive thing that she talked about it um even though it was yeah it was really sad obviously for for her to to go through that and and obviously contributed especially like you said during camp rock to that kind of i guess her her trauma and and probably led her to was definitely like a factor that led her to to do kind of hard drugs and try them yeah i think that just we can again just have so much empathy for people that come forward with these stories and i just really appreciated her sharing these things so candidly for for us to just hear hear about these things more because again i think people think like oh maybe maybe not anymore but i feel like because we just have so much access to celebrities but i feel like just people are like celebrities or people with money they have no problems and like that's just not the case no for sure yeah i totally agree but yeah that was a i think overall like a top moment whatever whatever the right wording is but it was yeah like a, i know what you mean but like a notable yes. moment right in in the documentary for yes. sure yes and then the other one i wrote down was when the assistant asked for no sirens um on the 911 call oh my god yes i i was shocked i mean that again was quite like glossed over and yeah it was also, I noticed it was her ex-assistant now, yeah. which was interesting, but she didn't really mention leaving or why she left. Maybe it was, I mean, do you know what I found really funny that, maybe not funny, but odd, um, and I guess this is like world of celebrity. I mean, Demi's like a 27-year-old woman. Why on earth? I mean, it was a good job she was being woken up by her, her assistant because obviously she wouldn't have been found because she was passed out when, when the assistant got there. But why was she... Why did she have like a human alarm clock to wake her up? It's like, hold on. I think this all goes back to like, there's no responsibility in Demi's life. Everything is done. Everything's outsourced. And this is what I really struggle with, I think. And a lot of people do with celebrities. It's so tragic that Demi's gone through that. But there are so many people that are going through very similar issues, if not worse or, you know, as bad. And they don't have that the money to have a sober coach, have a management team, have 
and a, a personal assistant. And I just think like this definitely plays into that kind of childlike mindset that she seems to have towards her staff, essentially, and and people that work for her. Because why is an assistant waking physically waking you up? It it doesn't. I get like someone picking you up, like doing them kind of things, taking you to your job for instance, getting stuff ready. But yeah, it, I just, it really struck me as like, oh my God, this is clearly normal behavior because they just said it so matter of factly, you know? And yeah, really odd, odd behavior for sure. Like I was watching Bridgerton, I'm doing like a rewatch. Oh my God, yes, I love Bridgerton. <laughs> the assist, not the assistant, the like- Like lady in waiting, like her. Yes, Daphne is like waking her up in the morning. <laughs> I was like, yeah. this is so weird that this has yeah. like continued with like celebrities. It seemed really weird. Yeah, I was gonna say except they didn't have alarm clocks then. So oh I'm yeah, you're right, you're right, <laughs> yeah. you're right. Or a phone. I'm like, come on, Demi definitely has a phone. You know, I just, I'm just like, I think it, it's perspective, right? That's that's all I was gonna say. And it, it's so different, also because I just think about like the amount of people that are like in her house on a given. M- morning is so weird to me like Mm. that was the other thing that stood out is yeah like the assistant's waking her up but like she was talking about how she like went downstairs to make the 911 call and she's like walking past other people and stuff because I feel like when I watch the Kardashians and stuff like that too I'm just like wow there's like a billion people at your house yeah just to like manage it I guess yeah exactly and I think as well Demi was even saying she hates being alone essentially so i know she was i think wasn't it her former choreographer was saying that demi was begging her to stay one night and she wished she stayed because then she wouldn't have overdosed or might not have overdosed or she would have been there when she did they all felt very guilty which was interesting it was kind of like well if i did this she wouldn't oh she might not have overdosed i'm like yeah i totally get it i get that of course when you care for someone you don't want to see them in pain but and i think that it's really good for her growth if she kind of stops being infantilized. I think it's called where, you know, you're she's treated a little bit like a child and um or at least was in her old team. I mean, they even said that, you know, they they kind of couldn't I I think they said her friends were like, we couldn't eat around her. We couldn't and I look, if that was me, I'd be like, look, I can't work here. You know, I can't be told when what to drink, what to eat. Ultimately, I think a little bit more independence would probably do her some good um and yeah hopefully that's something that gets worked on but i don't know it just seemed very childlike to me that kind of managing of her yeah i know what you're saying and i think it's such a common response for people that are around people with addiction or maybe suicidal thoughts or something like if i just did this yeah i would have stopped this and i'm like no not like that no like like that's so valid to think i've been there i've i've been the person thinking that too but like no you you did everything you possibly could get zero percent on you to think that you have to like monitor her 24 7 or whatever so so true yeah I felt so bad for for those people yeah definitely the last thing that I thought was just like so notable was that she was legally blind for two months after the overdose and she still cannot drive she suffered a heart attack multiple strokes and brain damage I think I glossed over how and like again there was like the episode like five minutes to live like that that that's what the doctors are saying like there's really no chance for your survival and stuff and like I think I when this happened in 2018 like I think I glossed over like how serious this was like the consequences of it as well because you kind of hear oh she survived and oh it'll be fine then right but yeah like you said it obviously took such a toll on her body and do you know what I found really interesting that you know they were saying you know she'd heroin she tried uh, I think it was like crack cocaine slash heroin for the first time and she took pictures of it which kind of denotes to me maybe she thought it was really cool at the time I mean you take pictures kind of I you know when you when you're younger of like your first party you know because you kind of want to whoever she was sending them to it's like I want to show off that I'm doing drugs so maybe it's like something to do with approval as well but it's interesting and I guess that's kind of related to your point in that she said well I'm an all or nothing person right I, I don't think I can ever go completely sober like it's not fair and I'm just thinking I know it, it's not fair. Like people with addictive personalities, it, it, it is annoying. Like, I would be the same. I'd be like, wait, hold on. All my friends are getting drunk or maybe doing a bit of weed, kind of 
maybe doing coke recreationally why can't i do that but unfortunately and this is again i think linked to maturity and responsibility you can't always get what you want right and it's it's like i think she needs to kind of accept that because obviously i can't believe like you said you listed all these blindness um she can't drive you know she's she had a heart attack and probably like lasting effects from that and she's still saying well uh well i can't be completely sober forever like i i just don't think it's realistic and i'm like well maybe it's definitely going to be hard but you kind of have to right you because otherwise what's the alternative the alternative is what death i I just didn't i thought the tone in that last episode was really off i'm just like hold on so she hasn't really learned anything you know from that experience yeah and like she even talked about how after the overdose she she used again like hard drugs um yeah that's so true and like that just i think shows how strong addiction is and how you can literally like basically die and still want to do drugs but yeah like this i felt like elton john really did not agree with that he was like no because one glass of wine leads to two one pill leads to another like that type he was like not down yeah but but like I do think that I'm watching this tv show um on Bravo called Summer House and there's another person and sobriety for him is also like having a few beers on the weekend but like generally Mm. being sober and it is interesting and I don't know any of the research or anything if that is like effective and stuff but like yeah I would be just so nervous yeah I I I agree with you and I think you're right I think the only thing I can relate it to like I said I've I've been really lucky enough to not have any addiction issues but I can only relate to like I guess based on what I talk about in my podcast like relationships right if you're trying to say separate or stop having feelings for an ex say you need a clean break and then you can work on maybe being friends with them in the long run but until you've kind of become completely neutral and then feelings leave that's like the equivalent of like sleeping with them once a week right and you're like no no i'm fine like we're not together but i'm in control i'm fine and really like them feelings are still there and they're never gonna go in that way and um so i just think relating that back to drugs or alcohol it's such a slippery slope and i just feel that i actually don't think demi thinks in black and white i mean she said that but i think it's very much gray where because i think black and white is like you either do drugs or you don't whereas she is definitely saying well i'm california sober which is like drinking and weed and i don't know like you said i think it's it's really hard to judge and like you know things things work differently for different people but i mean i've i've known people that had addiction issues and sadly you know one of one of my friends when i was super young um we were like 13 he had a drug overdose and died and i know that he went to rehab i think at such a young age loads of times and he just the even if he tried whatever ecstasy um like like we were saying weed it always led in the next few weeks or months to something more and because he didn't have a control of course you can't have control over something after only a little a, a kind of amount of time a small amount of time after you've had an overdose right it's just kind of common sense i feel um so yeah ultimately i think like you said it's it's really hard to judge and you know i'm not part of demi's life or anything so whatever works for her I just don't believe, I suppose, from that documentary that she's got complete control over it. That's just my my kind of summary of it. Yeah, like, I just think, like, the accessibility, like, she can find, she has the money she's and rich, the means right? to find right. drugs so easily. The highs and lows of fame, like, her career is just always going to have extreme highs where she Mm. would probably want to celebrate and extreme lows where she might want to cope and then again these like Mm. weird older people around her all the time that are on her payroll and then like her her family issues all play all play a massive part yeah yeah they they truly do so Mm. Overall, I think that it was a really interesting documentary and I learned a lot about her and I just wish her the best, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I think that there was some like interesting points that we could like dissect as well. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. No, there is. It was was a good watch. But yeah, there's definitely some things 
to take away. And yeah, I, I think it did show her. I didn't. Even, I don't think it showed her in like a positive light, but I don't think it was negative. It was just kind of neutral. And she, I think she was really candid, which is a good thing for, like I said, people suffering maybe from addiction issues or sexual assault. That can only be a good thing, like speaking out. But yeah, I think like we were saying, I suppose, I don't know if, I mean, her takeaway message of, well, no, now I'm really telling the truth, guys, and I'm in control of it. It's kind of like, well, you it's like the boy who cried wolf, right? It's like, you've said that before. So I'm just probably more on the cynical side of the fence of from the documentary. Yeah. We'll just keep supporting her from afar and we'll just, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see kind of how it unfolds. But yeah, yeah exactly. Wish her exactly. all the best. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was like a good discussion. I feel like we covered yeah. so many different things. Yeah, we did. A hundred percent. No, it's, it was it was really interesting. It was, a, I guess, a bit darker yeah. themed because, you know, we've been talking about addiction and some really like heavy topics. But I, again, I think that's it's hopefully a good thing for other people to to bring those issues to the that, that Demi's brought those issues to the fore and, you know, to, to kind of mass attention i think it hopefully can only be a good thing yeah me too so if the listeners want to hear more from you shireen where can yeah. they find your podcast yeah so my podcast is called spill the tea and it's on all major platforms so apple music spotify anchor fm um and my instagram is the same it's at at spill the tea so you can also find me there nice well thank you so much for coming on thank you it's been really fun thank you for having me and there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Shireen, for joining me. If you have something that you want me to discuss on the next episode of Ready to be Petty, slide into my DMs. You can message me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I'm at RTBP Podcast. I love to hear your feedback about the podcast or your hot takes. Did you agree with me? Did you disagree with me? Let me know. And yeah, give me your pettiest things to talk about. You can also leave RTBP a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the podcast find new listeners and grow the RTBP community. I hope that you are safe and healthy out there. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I am ready to be petty. See you soon. Bye.